Peter, this is a new dawn. This is a new beginning because we now have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Weekend at Effie's. And so far, Peter, I don't even think you've been in the Patreon yet. I, I haven't. It is chaos because it's me doing it. And it's things that I would think about putting out in the world but wouldn't typically do. Like this week, um, we'll get into it. You know, me and AJ went on a date to the arcade. There's footage there of him just like winning the biggest prize in the claw machine. What arcade did you go to? We went to the main event arcade. It was a whole it was a whole kerfluffle because we we tried to go see a movie and we thought we knew what time it was at and we were wrong. So we had to go see it later. Uh, we'll, we can get into that later. That's late in the week. But the Patreon is out there. If you want to support, that's awesome. If you want to ask any questions, if you want to advertise, weekendateffies at gmail.com. We are still accepting sponsors. But on the Patreon, you're going to get the episode early. We all have that itch, the early itch. And then we're going to try to do a mini-sode this week about mini-sodes. And then we're going to figure out a little more direction. But I'm not going to not put out content just because I don't have a direction. That's been my whole career, Peter. It's just like, put it out there. Someone will get it. And they usually do. They usually get right on it. Now, I think on the mini-sode, we're also going to talk about the strange Uber ride I had. So maybe we can talk about the strange Uber ride you had, too. I don't know. Maybe we'll just talk about mine. This weekend, though, I was cautious of my uh, self-care because I only wrestled two days, Thursday and Friday, and then I was home uh, with my family life, and it was beautiful, Peter. I got to go do brunches with the gays. I said, I got to get back for a gay brunch. They said, that's not until September 4th, and I said, no, like uh, the gays who brunch, (laughs) that's what we do. The gays are brunching. Now, I used to make a lot more sacrifice for the business, Peter, and I thought I could handle it again, and I'm second-guessing how much sacrifice I can make. And I'm talking about riding in cars. It is not the easiest thing in the world for me. And I didn't realize that. I, You know, I like driving the car. I think it's great. But you give up a lot of control when you're just riding in the car. I mean, you can still stop and go to the bathroom. But I flew into Minneapolis to go to Fargo, North Dakota. They're not that close. I think it's like a four-hour difference. I was like, this isn't bad. This will be easy. And I, luckily enough, know some people in Minneapolis. Frontman Jaw picked me up. We picked up Devon Monroe. And we drove four hours to Fargo, North Dakota. Now, this is my second time in Fargo, North Dakota. The first time I went there, I also drove in. It's hard to fly into Fargo. I get it. I drove in, and it looked like a crazy fire wasteland in North Dakota. Like, it was like... There were trees burning and the sun was going down and like there was smoke and haze. And this area of the country is very, uh, it's, I sort of describe it as one story because it looks like if you were to play like San Andreas versus GTA five or four or whatever, whatever the new five is the newest one. There's a depth that has been built up within the game. Right. And it's as if North Dakota and parts of this area they never like got the video game past San Andreas. So it only goes up to the second floor. So like I'm looking around and like, as you pull into North Dakota and Fargo and these places, they have everything you would think. And that's one of the big issues with American travel now is everywhere I go, there's going to be a Best Buy and a Target and an Applebee's and a Chili and a TGI Fridays and a Kohl's and a Michael's. There's going to be all of these things and they have all of these things. But like I said, it only like, I think also the sky is so large and there's not like a mountain range in sight that it just goes on flat forever. Like it just looks, if you're in the city, it looks like you're just looking out into one story buildings forever. 
And then there's a lot of farmhouses and warehouses and fields. But it's like there's everything there. Like if you're in the city limits of Fargo, they've got it all. But it's also like you feel crazy isolated. And the first time I went there was when the Twink Gauntlet happened. Are you familiar with the first Twink Gauntlet? I vaguely remember we, this. We were smashing barriers by creating the Twink Gauntlet, which is a first-of-its-kind match that I created. I was thinking what kind of barriers were in the match. Oh, let me just let me fill you barriers. in. This is, this is an emotional journey. I am a, I am a creative savant. Effie said that because he was uh, such a powerful gay figure that he could defeat, I could defeat unlimited amounts of twink wrestlers. Now, a twink in my mind would be like a younger athletic physical guy, maybe not a lot of hair on there, you know, maybe not a lot of muscle definition, maybe like a cruiserweight, a high flyer. I said, I will defeat all these twinks. And this is a no ring show for Time Bomb Pro. And you can find this match on YouTube, the original Twink Gauntlet. And even Ref Clark Feldman, who will come into play in our story again in Fargo, who has been a part of big Fargo moments for Effie, was there in fishnets to count the pen to show Effie. So, uh, Alien Armor, you mean? Alien Armor, I'm sorry. The new Predator movie, have you seen that yet? No, I hear it's amazing. Holy shit, it was incredible. I'm not going to spoil that for you. It is brutal as shit, and I had so much fun watching it, and the dog kind of looks like Cranberry, so I'm fully on board with that. Um, this Twink Gauntlet had... Five different twinks that came out that I defeated. I defeated all five twinks. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of North Dakota in a bar above an Irish bar where people were looking at me in the alien armor fishnets a little oddly, uh, a man in a bear costume comes out. Cody Rice comes out and he defeats me. And you're going, he's not a twink. I know. He's a bear. He's a bear. And he came out and he beat me. And then I, I had a realization there in Fargo, North Dakota, that I shared publicly through the microphone after being defeated. If you try to put people in a box, like they're a deathmatch wrestler, or a cruiserweight wrestler, or a lucha wrestler, or a hardcore wrestler, same as in the gay community. If you try to say somebody's a twink or a twunk or an otter or a bear or a wolf or a silver daddy or a leather boy, we could keep going. When you box people into these things, you're missing out on things that you could discover and love, and you are also leaving yourself vulnerable, like I did to the bear. No one said a bear couldn't enter the Twink Gauntlet, and I really left it open kind of to anyone, and the bear was my defeat. And I don't want to say that it was just a bear defending the Twinks, but I've seen bears defend Twinks before. And the beauty of the emotional storytelling and the nuance of the Twink Gauntlet is what led it to be a bigger deal. It has now since morphed into something I just torture Pero with, who is on the Big Gay Brunch coming up. He keeps trying to beat me up and step on my neck. He did win a last daddy standing match where he threw me through a flaming piece of glass and also almost broke my spine on the concrete. Uh, but I don't want him anywhere near me, so I feel like if I book him and then put challenges in front of him, he'll stay away, and that's why I kept the Twink Gauntlet going. But originally, it was just like a beautiful Shakespearean tale. Uh, it was kind of a tragedy and a comedy. But now we're back in Fargo, North Dakota for the second time. And I am fighting Eric Cannon. And I've been in six-person matches with Eric Cannon that also featured people like Kikutaru. So it was a little funnier match, you know. And I said, Eric Cannon, what kind of match are we going to have tonight? And we argued about it a little bit. And you could tell the referee, Ref Clark Feldman, you could tell he was a little over how much we were arguing back and forth. I'm the veteran. I'm the veteran. I know what we should do. This will be better. And he didn't really make it known down there, but you could tell he was getting a little kerfluffled. And so we entered the ring in this beautiful, I don't even know the name of the building. I think it's called the Sanctuary, but it's an old church. It's a cool name. Oh, yeah. 
It's an old church with a wooden, uh, what are they called? The, the holders. I used to study architecture. I didn't study it enough. Trussets maybe wooden trussets. Let's go with that. We're going to go with wooden trussets and stained glass. And it's uh it's a lovely facility in the middle of Fargo. And we packed it out with wrestling fans and this match was going pretty normally. We were having a pretty serious match. You know, we did trade jackets at one point. I was messing with him a little bit. But then out of the blue, as we beat each other up in a moment of hurried pinning, Rev Clark Feldman jumped on top of me, and Eric Cannon counted that pin. And now legally, Eric Cannon is also a referee legally. So that pin counts. What I'm getting at is the winner of Eric Cannon versus Effie was Ref Clark Feldman. He won the match. They counted it as legal. And I don't know if that means he's the number one contender now for the GCW championship, but I, for one, am rooting for Ref Clark Feldman against John Moxley this weekend. I'm going to send him in my place. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to send him in my place. I'm going to handle my business. You didn't get to watch the promo I released, did you? I don't think so. I was a little more subdued. I was a little more serious, a little more weakened at Effie's, letting him in. But yeah, we'll watch it later. Okay. The people who have seen it know. Uh, either way, the wind blows. I can tell you this. Uh, I'm the champion. I am the champion, my friends. And I'm going to keep on fighting till I can't. Uh, it's going to be a fucking hellacious weekend, Peter. I've overbooked myself. How many matches are you doing? I am doing three matches in three days. Here's where this is proof I'm an idiot. I'm going to go to Denver Friday night and then take a red eye to New Jersey and then I'm going to try to do a media appearance. I may have to pull off of it because I just, the timing. And then I'm going to go beat John Moxley in the middle of the showboat casino, which is people are like, that can't happen. Yes, it can. Effie is the asterisk. And uh, then Sunday, I'm going to wake up the champion and me and my bussy sister, Allison, who are still a very active tag team, still seeking our championship belts back. We're going to take on Charlie Evans and Everett Connors. And Everett Connors? Kind of a wild, sneaky fashion e-boy. But Charlie Evans is a deathmatch killer. And so I think it's going to be a very horribly sore, beat-up weekend where uh, in the blood lies the glory, right? Right? Maybe. I hope. I hope so. Now, here's where we go back to driving. Because after Time Bomb, and I got to meet and greet with everybody, and going to a place like Fargo, like you see people you don't normally see. A lot of people are driving in from places that are all over the place. We had to leave right after that to get back to Minneapolis to get to Chicago. And that is a further drive than I would like. Now, we took our time. We were safe. We were careful. I will say this, though, Peter. The stars in Fargo, North Dakota, I was looking up. And I was like, oh, there's a few clouds kind of in between me and the stars. But there's like, this is the most stars I've ever seen. And then you realize that it's not clouds, Peter. It's parts of the Milky Way that appear cloudy looking because you can see so much of the galaxy looking outward because it's so dark. I mean, you can see the light of Fargo in the distance as you're leaving a little bit for a while. And then it goes kind of to pitch black. And you're sort of looking into the depth of infinity. And I was like, can we... Can we pull over? And he's like, no. I was like, I got to pee. I got to pee really bad. And I just stood on the side of the road and stared up for a minute long after the pee had culminated. No, I probably did still have to pee. I mean, you know, Peter, it's a, I have a very small bladder and it's good because it gets you out of situations. If you have to pee all the time, you can be like, I got to go. 
leave this situation, but it isn't fun for movies. I will say that because I'm getting the largest drink possible. I'm getting the big gulp, the AMC big gulp that Nicole Kidman likes, and I'm going to pee a lot of times. So I got to, I got to make my runs and I got to know my parts. You know, there's an app for that, Peter, the Nicole Kidman bringing you drinks. I wish, I wish there was a Nicole Kidman she, brings you she drinks. She just app. resigned her contract. With AMC? Uh-huh. Is she going to do a sequel to the greatest video so. intro of all time? I believe so. The scene where she's just sitting there with her big head and the screen is clearly right behind her head. You're going, I'm glad she rented the whole theater because anyone else would be like, is that Nicole Kidman's silhouette portrait? Is this a is this a Civil War drama that I didn't know about? Is she in a secret relationship with the woods to trap these soldiers? I don't know. I'm writing a new script here that's based on one I saw with her in it. I love Nicole Kidman. I love movies. There's an app that tells you when to pee during a movie. Shut up. It doesn't spoil the movie, but it says when it gets to this part, it's your best bet. Because it's like, there's going to be a little exposition, but nothing you're going to really miss. This is the moment. That is the one thing that going to see movies when I was a kid in Kenya was an absolute shit show. Uh, They just don't entirely run things the same way that they run theaters over here. The one thing they do, though, is intermissions in every movie. Lord of the Rings had two intermissions. That's incredible because they want to sell more snacks. Why would they not want to sell more snacks? A hundred percent. I think it's because people at the intermissions, I think they would be too confused to find their theater again. And they would end up seeing something else. They would end up seeing another film or maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. They have assigned seating now though. I mean, Kenya is secretly a fascist country. And uh, like you'd have to stand for the national anthem before every single movie and you would get escorted out uh, by some armed guards if you did not stand. My Is that the place to make a times. stand, though? Like you're like, we're going to show them today. I mean, <laughs> I, they also did like newsreels before everything. Oh. So there's all these like propaganda pieces for the government. So you can't just watch Marvel movies. You also have to watch MSNBC. That's yeah, sort of exactly. like, hey, you better be up to date on shit. So I'm sure we're here. all getting back to our seats uh, fairly quickly. Yeah. They yeah. also had assigned seating, um, which I was annoyed when I went to the States and that wasn't the norm. It's nice to have assigned seating uh, just because... I'm always so late to the movies anyway that I would end up sitting in the front. And my neck would be even worse. Oh, terrible. But now I know where I'm sitting. I know where I'm going to be. I don't understand those people that like sitting that close to it because there are other, those freaks out there that will just sit. As oh close yeah, as front row yeah. by choice. I know it, it's uh you have to be careful in Atlanta. There was an assigned seating shooting in Atlanta. Oh really? Uh, that has stuck with my partner. So we have to be very cautious about what movies we see together to make sure there isn't a kerfluffle and make sure we know that we're in the right seats. I don't. It seems like there was probably more to the story, but it, you know, I'd have to imagine it was the movie theater next to my house, Peter. It was so I would be like, "I'm going to the movies," and he's like, "What?" Oh, this was when y'all are in Buckhead. When we were in Buckhead, oh, yeah. yeah, it was wild up in Buckhead. It's wild in Midtown. I don't. I think it's wild Buckhead everywhere. Buckhead has been popping off though. Quite literally. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, Floyd Mayweather's bodyguard got shot in Buckhead. Where, though? Was it at the icebox? Uh, no, they did have a shooting at the icebox. They box, always have though. a shooting at the icebox. Uh, no, it was at the Intercontinental. Because oh I used to, gosh. I lived on, in the neighborhood behind the Intercontinental. Right like, over next to, to there. In my backyard. God. They've got the Palms restaurant near there, too. I think it's, uh, I don't think it's in the Intercontinental, but it's near there. It's in one of those hotels. Yeah, great food. Uh, Hotel Row over there has great food. We picked up Darren Corbin in Minneapolis, and we made our way to Chicago. 
which is not a short drive. And we've been driving all night already. And we stopped for like, I, we did take a two hour and nap. And you're still not driving, right? No, I'm just sitting. That's hard to imagine. I'm just... If I'm in control, I feel like my ADD is a little more under... Man, You have to drive when you're like driving, you know? So it's almost really good for me to just be like, I, if I don't focus on this, we die. Yeah, the way you drive, you need to be focused. So focused. You, oh my God, Peter, don't tell them. You can't agree with AJ on this point publicly right now. No, I do. Oh no. Have you ever gotten in a crash? Okay, I will say this. We got his car back the other day from the shop, and the alignment was like still not perfect. But I pulled into the apartment, and I scraped the side door on the concrete oh, the no. day the day after we got that car back. I'm an absolute idiot sometimes. This is like, I not in views, but just in I'm kind of an idiot too. Me and Kanye West are both really good at directing people's energy towards our art if we can get them involved in understanding it. But we're also just kind of idiots. Like There are facets where you'd be like, man, he's a genius. And then there's times you'd look at me and be like, does he, has he ever used a vacuum? Does he know what he's doing right now? It's, there's a confusing dichotomy between these worlds. I'm trying to meld them, but it's hard. Like I've been doing a lot of house chores to try to like focus in. I'm not good at them. Apparently I always, he has to go back and do them different, which usually his reasoning is correct. He's like, what did you, did you wipe the fridge with? What did you use? And I'd be like, Clorox wipes. And he's like, we have we have stainless steel wiper. This is how you do it. He's like, how are you opening the fridge door? And I was like, like this. And he was like, there's a handle. You don't have to do it like that. And so I'm like, I'm learning, but it's also like, you know, taming a wild beast. There's only so much taming you can do. So I think as long as I keep providing through my other things that I'm really good at, yeah. he can handle the stuff where it's like, did you wipe these baseboards or did you, was this, you know, it's like, no, I ran the towel with my foot down there and that worked. I get it. All right. I got off topic, but I'm not driving. I'm going that to Chicago. That was like perfect Gemini versus Virgo right there. It was very funny. It's yeah. Well, welcome to, welcome to it. He's a very patient individual and I love it, but I am being a house husband. I, I said, I did the dishes. He goes, but you have to also unload them when they're done. I was like, listen, we got, there's gotta be a meeting point. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's like most of the work when it comes to dishwasher dishes. Yeah. Yeah. He says doing the laundry is not just doing it. You got to put it up too. And I'm like, this is, these are two separate tasks. Can I get a check mark or a gold star for one of these? We pulled up to Chicago. I felt like I'd been driving for a year and we pulled up to Chicago at doors, like at doors for freelance. And this is where it gets strange. And this is where people are like, Oh, how can there be kayfabe heat? Why would you want to fight somebody if you've ridden in a car with them? That's the number one reason to want to fight somebody. And so with an hour before the show started, uh, I was ready to fight frontman jaw. And I will say this about him. He is, one of the most interesting people I've ever met and the drive back from Fargo. I don't want to like, I don't want to out him here on this. We watched almost every Super Bowl halftime show as like to listen to music in the car. And it clicked with me and made perfect sense because it was like, wait, it's just the best clips of their songs, but you don't have to listen to the whole song and you get the best parts and the remix parts. And if like you're watching it, you know, you kind of get, uh, a sick show with fireworks, you know, and you're going to get the one ballad moment towards the end. And then it's going to boom. Destiny's child's going to reform. It's incredible. I don't know. It like, it made really good sense as a form of entertainment and he had them on tap. So it wasn't like we were searching like who else did it. He was like, let's see this one. So I don't think this is the first or the last time that me and frontman Jaw will watch Super Bowl halftime parties and hell who knows, 
you know, they may have bad money do it next year and he needs wrestlers to jump on. So I'd love to be a part of the Super Bowl halftime show, Bad Bunny. Let me and frontman John know. I think it's our destiny. But I did want to fight him at this point. And what, what was was there a standout from the halftime shows? Like what was there any surprises as far as like I mean, that's crazy to watch all of them back. We watched back. a lot of them. We watched the Prince one. We watched both Beyonce's. There was, I think, a Michael Jackson one, or maybe this was a different performance. I don't know. There was a lot going on. It was intense. Uh, have you ever been so in the closet and so deeply sexually corrupted that you built an amusement park privately on your land to hide children at? This is, the question. this is the question I need people to understand when they think they can just keep it in their minds forever. Understand that there's a dark path that leads to you owning a Six Flags on your own land and children disappearing. So just let it out. Go talk to a therapist. Talk about your urges. Talk about things you go through. And if you need to be put away in a facility, let us know because it's for the good of the earth that you do. People sometimes think I'm like too sexually free, but like the truth is I'm very like sexually healthy because you can talk about these things and you don't put taboos on them, but you also go... The repression of this is actually harming America to the point where amusement parks should be fun for everyone, not uh, not a danger zone, and especially when they're on private land. You know what I'm talking about here, don't you? Yeah. Okay, we won't go any deeper into it. I fought Frontman Jaw in front of Mick Foley and a packed-ass house in Logan Square Auditorium. And this is one of the things I thought about for the mini-sets was sort of going back and discussing venues because I'm a I'm a bit of a venue uh, lover I guess I would put it I don't know venue file uh, especially being inside of so many venues and so many venues where I've seen concerts before I've seen artists before Logan Square holds that place in my heart but I think there's so many of them that like we could talk about the Possum Palace in Wausau Florida for like two hours if you wanted to these venues are horrible but they also hold like a deep memory space for me of wrestling moments and different wrestling things and it's like when you kind of compare you're like i don't know that place is supposed to be a nice venue but it had bad bathrooms i prefer those possum palace bathrooms at least they were honest you know but logan square was packed more than usual and so this building is it's a second story and it it sold out and then they sold 50 more tickets so it is steaming in this room and if you're a little bit above the steam and in the center of the room which you are if you're in the middle of the ring. It was like, people were like, what does America smell like? And it was like that. And it was like kind of sweaty, bad cologne perfume, beer, weed, breath. It was just like everything at once. And you were just like, this is, this is the human sauna. This is the earth condensed. And I am breathing in 100,000 years of human history of where we've come from. It's all right here in the middle of Logan Square. I might be being dramatic on this, but it felt like you were just no, like, really I funny. understand the core and soul of humanity by whiffing in this steam. And it makes you crazy. Some people are like, if it's too hot, I get like blown up. I wish I blew up more when I got too hot. But the thing is like, people are like, are you nervous? And I'm like, yeah, I'm nervous because me, once I'm fully, like once the engine is fully hot and running and I'm covered in sweat and spitting and crazy and throwing things it is an undeniable adrenaline rush that like can't be run down by getting beat up. You're just like, Oh yeah, 
I am soaking wet and I am muscular and I am fired up and I am hitting people. It's just like a, it's a magic moment. And when it's that hot, you're like, my body's not supposed to be doing this for long. Let's let it out. Let's get it all out of there. And I think that like, I've always said that going to wrestling shows is good because people need to scream. Like if you think about during COVID, we've talked about this before. Have you screamed lately? People are like, don't scream at me. Scream at something because it is so good for your soul to just go and just scream as loud as you can or fully let out a guttural just sound like that. Like you may need to go talk to a therapist once or twice a week too, but also like go make guttural sounds and you will feel so refreshed. You will have that out of you because like we're in the end, we still had to be hunter gatherers. We still had to get all our food. Like there is a natural part of us that needs to let that like out. And some people do it with like, you know, notebooks and deadlift programs where they mark off all their sets they get that grunt in there at some point when they get towards the end but i'm saying just do it to fucking do it don't even do the lead in just go out somewhere and scream you have to be a little careful where you scream like maybe not do it in a mall or an arcade or a movie theater but like go out on the trail walk a mile or two and then just and you'll feel real uh for me though, like it almost puts me on, this is where I think like I'm going to end up being the Buddha because screaming and beating people up, it sends me to the most Zen zone of my life. Like getting to hang out with the fans afterwards and I'm smoking, I'm chilling, letting out your frustrations and angers in a wrestling match. It is a cleansing process. And I feel wonderful after it. And I did beat frontman job, but we were so sweaty and so wet and so hot. And that room was just like, pulsing with human energy and as I left the back I noticed him going in and Mick Foley is hilarious he's I'm gonna have you read one of his books probably because he's a very good author but also you know one of the legends of deathmatch wrestling like to be clear he changed and started doing comedy and Mr. Sacco later in the career but like Cactus Jack was the blood god back oh in the days. that's where Cactus Jack comes that from? is where Cactus okay. Jack comes from I only yes. I know it through Travis Scott. <laughs> I love this, Peter. This that. is incredible. Yes, Dude Love, Cactus Jack, Mankind, Mick Foley, uh, best-selling author, Hall of Famer, had one of the highest-rated segments of all time on Wrestling Cable with The Rock doing This Is Your Life was a comedy segment, uh, made, made famous a sock puppet that he would tap you out with by putting it in your mouth with a mandible claw. What? Yeah, incredible stuff. Um, he was there. And so on my way out of the match, he kind of gave me the, uh, like, it was it was sick approval. And I was like, this is fucking, this is the coolest shit ever. And he ended up later that night uh, turning his back on the freelance faithful and helping Dirty Robert Anthony and Frank the Clown win the match. Mick Foley turned heel in Logan Square Auditorium. I told you the energy's there. They're crazy. Turned heel, went bad, left Storm Grayson for dead, put him in the thumbtacks. You ever had to pull thumbtacks out of your back? Ooh, no. It's not fun. One time I did a crazy spot with thumbtacks in a chair, and it cut my back open pretty bad. And it was a daytime show in Orlando, and my friend was like, do you still want to go watch the Impact pay-per-view that we have free tickets to? And I was like, fuck yeah, why not? So I went in with like a blood-soaked shirt, just looking like shit from this match, and watched more wrestling matches as Scott Steiner did a Hurricane Rana. Oh, Frankensteiner, I'm sorry. He's big on that, not me. Um... Chicago was the end of the wrestling trail, but I did get to go back to a, a haunted location from our past, and that's the Silicon Valley Sex Dungeon. It's legendary at this point. It is 
Trevor Outlaw has done some renovation in there, and he has some beautiful plants upstairs. He still has the full top porch with a garage door that opens up into all, it's all fake grass, like artificial turf up top. It's magic. But he also still has this weird open floor bathroom thing going on where like everything's sort of in one big space. So he is actually sleeping in the secret room behind the bookcase, which is a feature of the Silicon Valley sex dungeon. There's a bookcase door and he has the full bedroom set up in there. And then there's like an alternate, like he's turned the regular bedroom into a, like a living room hangout space. And then the bathroom is just like right there with it. It's beautiful and sick. He said he's walling it in, but I was like, I feel like this encourages closeness amongst people when you're just like, yeah, they're just, they're over there doing it. Like, go for it. You know, not doing it, but like doing their business as a human, which is, you know, so there's just no barrier. There's like kind of a weird half wall. And then you put up sort of a beautiful, like, uh, what are they called? Where the women used to dress behind them and be like, "Oh, don't look! I'm behind a little right, a little folding silk screen yeah. thing." Triptych. I don't know what that is. I called. don't know. I'm. Why am I putting the dress on? I don't know. This is, this is where we have to say that like the weekend is about to continue. But this weekend continuing is me being, uh, me being a boyfriend, and me getting to do fun stuff. So I took a dumb early flight out of O'Hare. I left the sex dungeon. God bless America and God bless Trevor Outlaw for driving me to the airport. Does he know that it's called that? Yes, he does. Okay, perfect. <laughs> he does know now. And he was like, people were telling me they heard it. And now I'm into it. Uh, and when I put out, I was feeling a little uh, hot to trot the other day. And I put out a graphic with some information about Effie. And he quote tweeted it and put, also talked to me out of a felony in Alabama. And I was like, you're damn right I did. These are beautiful moments we talked about that on the show early early on i feel like i right? believe so Check yeah out so our early episodes go way back listen all of this is happening in real time that's why this is so great and wonderful in a sense it's sort of a therapy session to talk through what's going on and see what's really important but in another sense we've got the best uh as it's happening imagine if terry funk was just like on the run of a lifetime and also recording his thoughts every week for over an hour what be crazy you'd be like that's gold instead we just have one terry funk record of like someone plucking a guitar and him talking like this over it it's weird i'll play you the, the audio it's very strange wrestling records were a thing for a minute like it's fascinating yeah also have you ever seen the video of vince mcmahon performing the live song no with the disco backup dancers no oh well baby <laughs> let me tell you this is worth your time uh, I don't, I can't do it quite justice with how much is on it, but we might, we might watch this before we record the next segment okay. and, and put this to patreon.com slash weekend at Effie's. I got to promote the thing and I'm about to do something very cool with it where the first number of subscribers that get in are going to be entered to win an Effie award. Oh, one of, one of four that are left in my possession. Uh, we'll, th- we'll, we'll see if it's going to be the golden one, but we may, we may keep those separate. I don't know. But I want I want there to be exclusives for you on this Patreon, and I'm growing it and learning it. You so, do have to have a model for yourself for when they make the eventual, you know, thousand foot tall Effie Buddha statues. Yes, you know, after your the golden statue gone. next to Superman. Uh, I was also going to say the that thing that you're talking about, like that the uh, feeling that you get, like after you've worked up your energy to that point. In um, all magical practice, they look at everything in two branches, inhibitory and excitatory. And so you're basically getting the same place, one with meditation, one with, like, say, yoga or something like that. 
So you're essentially talking about the like extreme version of uh, enlightenment through like physical activity. I'm going to become enlightened through physical violence. Exactly. I will find perfect peace and be the most calm old man you've ever seen. Just sitting with my chamomile. Loving it. Loving the moment. The Patreon is going to have weird stuff on it, but I'm also just like, whatever I film, I'm throwing it up there. I filmed right after Ref Clark Feldman beat me, so they got that moment first. They're also getting Effie's Big Gay Brunch announcements. I'm going to sidebar here before we get into the human life. Uh, I'm very excited for the event. I feel less pressure, but I'm also still working on things. So if you were expecting a phone call from me, just hang tight. I'm calling. Uh, but I clearly, Peter, I have overbooked the fuck out of this event. But here's what I'm going to talk about for a second. That's real. Is okay. Is actual food a wrestler or is it actual food? This is that is a great question because we have before before still life uh, before Eat Us Real had a different name, which I don't know if legally we say here because of Quackenbush, but. It was a food name, and so the joke of it being added to Edith Surreal's announcement, she was like, oh, I thought people were excited about me coming to the show, which they are Edith Surreal. They love you. But they were also excited that I listed actual food. I am working with a local caterer, and we have perfected the menu together, and we are going to be providing three different entrees that you will be able to purchase with your Big Gay Brunch ticket. Uh, the, we're putting the breakfast ticket separate from the general admission, so like... Come by breakfast is sort of the game. Uh, but it's like we went from McDonald's egg McMuffins and some pastries from Costco to like this is going to people are going to be like, you've outdone yourself, which is by the fifth try. We can finally have breakfast. Big gay brunch five. We're eating food out here. We're going to get some good food B-roll for this. I'm very excited, but I'm leaving Chicago at this point. And I landed and immediately went to brunch. Where'd you go to brunch? We went. Hold up, I gotta remember the name of this place because it was incredible. I gotta look this up. Now, AJ goes because they have $3 mimosas. Uh, For those who don't live in Atlanta, brunch culture is just about the biggest thing here right now. Like, there are entrepreneurs who are investing in brunch because of how much of a thing it is. And it's not just a thing where, like, we're going to have a brunch meal. Like, AJ will sometimes go to gay brunch. And be gone for five hours. And you're like, where did y'all go? And he's like, we're at brunch. <laughs> and you're like, this is wild. I got to look this up. It's a, oh, yes. Bulla Gastropub. We went to the Bulla Gastropub. Now, they do like, this is, restaurants like this excite me. Because you know I have this problem where the Bulla Gastro Bar. I have a problem where I will, if I want to taste something, I will order all of it. But they have it set up to where it's tapas portions. And you can get a three-course meal for the price of a regular brunch. And you get all the different things that you would try on the menu. And then I, of course, ordered more things. Now, here's what stood out. And you're going to go like, what? This is crazy. They have a watermelon tomato salad. And it's cubed watermelons and tomatoes and basil and honey and vinegar. And it is the most refreshing, magical thing and it sounds wrong. It sounds crazy. You're like, I could see how that could be good. I could see what you could do with that. It was a fantasy. It was incredible. It was delicious. They had really good avocado toast. All right. Which I've been confused by the avocado news because on one hand, they're saying we're not eating enough of the avocados. They've made too many avocados. On the other hand, they're saying I can't buy a house because of the avocados, to which I would say nobody's buying a house, dude. The only way I'm getting a house right now is if somebody finally puts me in their will. What's going on with the avocados? I don't know. I'm, 
I'm thinking that they are really making a lot of avocados and wasting the water. And it seems like people are poor because of a recession. So we're not prioritizing avocado as a part of our meal now. So it's sort of they've gone back and forth. But really, maybe the articles worked and millennials stopped eating avocado toast. I did not. I love avocados. I I eat. I make guacamole like every three days. Oh. See, but you're like uh you're like more of a vegetable person. If I had to list you, like you and AJ, you're vegetable people. I was a vegetable person yesterday. I ate some hummus. That's like a vegetable. It's yeah. made of beans. Beans. It's great. You wouldn't believe this stuff is beans. Uh did Will or I ever make you our homemade hummus? We no. both make fucking killer. Do you hummus. wait, maybe Will did make me homemade hummus and brought it with carrot carrot sticks and it I, was delicious i went crazy with it and i was putting the like asian thai sauce like yes. the chili sauce in it and oh. so it was like kind of a weird sweet but a little bit spicy yeah hummus. yeah i like the sweet and spicy really in the good. hummus the brownie batter hummus though have you had this yet no oh man dude listen oh is this like like the quote-unquote chocolate hummus thing? oh yeah <laughs> oh brother let me tell you this is the most magical thing i've ever had it literally is like, you you don't know it's beans. You're eating it and you're like, I'm eating brownie batter. Mmm, brownie batter. And I'll dip, you want to you wanna get real weird? I'll dip Oreos in the brownie batter and I'll eat the Oreos with the brownie batter hummus. But then I look at the side and it says, it's made of beans and it's got a lot of protein and it's very good for you, this brownie batter hummus. Which I'll also just eat brownie batter. My brain can't really tell the difference. It has changed me as a dessert man, the brownie batter hummus. It's phenomenal. I think you need to do a brownie batter hummus campaign because the you think I people are against it right beans now. Beans is amazing. They've also got a pumpkin pie hummus, what? which is made of beans and pumpkins and cinnamon. And you're like, this shouldn't work. It works. And you're asking, does it still have tahini in it? Yeah, because that shit adds a little, little nutty kiss mm-hmm. on the end. Hummus is very versatile. You know, we all should be like hummus. Very versatile. In our ways. We sat at that brunch for a while. Now, guess who else came to the brunch who I've not seen in a very long time? Zicky Dice. And I love Zicky. He's been killing it on Impact. He's been Did working he all over. Dog? He brought his oh, new dog, Gordo. God. Gordo is a French bulldog. And Gordo is... Like, if I took Cranberry or Bebop out to lunch, or if you took Lucy out to lunch, we'd have to kind of, like, control them a little bit. Like, they wouldn't be bad, but it'd be like, you know, they you gotta take a it's, little extra caution. It's a thing. Gordo just laid in Zicky's lap the whole Shut meal. Up. Just belly up, looking, maybe having a little, hey, you want a little bite? You want a little bite of the meat? Maybe a little, but just laying there. And then he laid in my arms, and he was just so sweet. What a precious angel little Gordo is. I am I know that F- Big Ric Flair has not in, probably enjoyed, Big Ric Flair is Zicky's other dog, not actual Ric Flair. Okay, I was about to say. Uh, having a little guy around, but this little guy, what a... What a cute little baby. These French Bulldogs, brunch and French Bulldogs are two Atlanta hot topics right now. Everybody's got brunch. Everybody's got a Bulldog. And it's weird, too, because with the brunch thing going back, there are restaurants who you wouldn't think would do a brunch that are like, we'd be dumb not to be open for brunch. But really, it's more like a community thing, you know? You sort of tell them 10 people are coming, and it might be 12, and it might be 6, and whoever rolls in and out can. And boy, they were pouring the mimosas. I stick to coffee, you know? I gotta wake up. On occasion, I'll do, like, Saturday, Sunday uh, lift runs. Oh, yeah. And I will get people that are trying to get to brunch on time. 
and then organizing with other people. It's got to be one of the 10 most stressful things I've ever been a part of is people planning for brunch. I try to tell AJ too. I'm like, listen, have lots of a plan and just be like, we're being here for brunch. And if y'all make it, you make it. And you'll probably have more people than you think. I will say that I don't spend a lot of weekends in Atlanta. So it's kind of nice. Like when the weather's good to be in Atlanta on a weekend, but I will tell you this walking around Midtown, walking around Piedmont, walking around that area after brunch, we rode scooters together. It was fun. Uh, drunk atlanta is hammered yeah. from 11 a.m onward on saturday and sunday yep. atlanta is hammer drunk out at piedmont drinking from bags they got the bag drink lady she's wonderful i think i don't i haven't I haven't tried the rum drinks but my boyfriend seems to love them it's just like people are wandering the streets restaurants are packed people are drinking everywhere it's it is it feels like pride but it's like just a regular weekend yeah and we don't have open container no. permission here. Like it is very illegal, and everyone <laughs> they don't doing care. That. No, no one cares. The whole park smells like weed. Everybody's drunk. It's a beautiful sunshine time. There's dogs everywhere. Yeah, it's just drunk people petting dogs. Like what a wonderful time. You walk your dogs on a Saturday or Sunday, and people are just like, and hey, pet your dog. You're like, yeah, I guess why not. It's beautiful. I'm, when I walk, I'm very like, we're on a walk, we're going, there's exercise happening. Like I'm very focused and I have disappointed so many drunk girls that just want to pet Lucy. And like, I'm not trying to be mean about it. I'm just, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. Lucy will stay outside all day sniffing and go into yeah. places. Oh if you don't God. just keep the direct path. I know. I know. I will say this. I walked Cranberry without Bebop cause he's still got the wounds a little. I didn't want to take him on too long a walk. She was bummed the whole time. I was like, oh my goodness, you love Aww. your little brother. She was like fine and walking and going, but she kept kind of looking around and stopping and looking at me. And you're like, I get it. You wish bro was out here with the sick double leash that I tripped over and fell down the other day. Oh, no. They ran one on me. It was like must love dogs, but it was like me on the ground. I don't just bump in the ring, folks. I'm a big clumsy motherfucker sometimes. And the way the leash is set up, this is, I still love this leash. Don't get it twisted. One of them went behind me and then I tried to step over it, but they're so, they're low boy dogs, you know, like they're yeah. little guys to the ground right on my ass in the alleyway. Just like, <laughs> and what do you do? All you can do is laugh. You're just like, I just fell on my ass walking the dogs. It's nine in the morning. What a day. What are we going to see today? Uh, okay. We have to go to the movie moment now. Now I've seen two movies this week, which you can tell my heart is full when I'm seeing movies. Three movies this week, if you count the Predator movie, which it wasn't in theaters, but I've gone to the theater twice. And with the looming monkeypox threat, somehow that has gotten into the we can't go to the theater paranoia, even though it's the skin to skin thing. But I guess I am. I've been trying to get a vaccine for like a week for this monkeypox. And you're supposed to like wake up every day and check the link and it's always screwed. But I clearly am one of the highest priority persons to get monkeypox. Right. Yeah. Like, it's, especially if like God's plan was to keep you safe from COVID and then give you monkey pops. Uh, like, right no after. chance. I will say this. I am. I don't go out much. I go to the movies. I wash my hands a lot. I am as careful as I can be. And I'm not, uh, I'm not having sex with multiple partners, but I am wrestling multiple partners, <laughs> you know, like that could be worse. I don't know, but I'm fine. As of now, we're great. We're going to get through it. I'm going to get vaccinated. I'm going to wake up every day at fucking 8am to get the vaccine link. I, someone told me I could get it in Canada really easily when I'm there next week, so I might pull that off. Might just do a little Toronto poke and run. That's almost exciting, an international vaccine. You think you can get me vaccinated up here? It's my little Canadian souvenir. Uh, if anyone knows directly the easiest place to do a walk-in monkeypox vaccine in Toronto, let me know. 
We'll be there next, not this week, but next week, uh, Thursday night, Demand Lucha. Okay, we went to see a movie. We went have to you see... ever had to do a malaria vaccine? I'm sure I did. I think you That's have to... rough. Maybe not then. It, I mean, you have to get it if you're going to certain places, and yeah. I imagine Africa would be on the list. Oh, yeah, I've, I've had the malaria vaccine multiple times, and it's just like three days of having malaria, and it's... What if what if it gave you powers? What if you became malaria See, man? See, that's the thing. I Because X-Men and Harry Potter were my favorite things growing up. And so it was like, one, I want my Hogwarts letter because I know I'm a wizard. I figured that one out yeah, years yeah, later. Yeah. Um, and then I really wanted X-Men powers. But uh, when I went through puberty, I became lactose intolerant. <laughs> that's your power. So I'm, the, I'm probably the worst X-Men there is. <laughs> How do we defeat him? I don't know. Yogurt? <laughs> that could work. We could defeat him with yogurt. Uh, the malaria vaccine. What if you? What if through your powerful multi-vaccines, you could heal people from malaria with like your kisses? Like my kiss can cure malaria. I'm malaria man. So I'd be the. <laughs> that's and it's a great. You get one guy who's like, hero. I'm not kissing that man. You'd be like, all you have to do is give me a little kiss and you'll be cured of the malaria or also eat your blood or whatever it does. You'd be like, please. And he'd be like, I'm just going to die. And then they could make a documentary about me, the man who kissed the world. The ma- Listen, once we're all kissing, we're all making making it through. We got to, we get, more kissing would be lead to less violence, you know? Yeah. I think we replace, everybody in wrestling wants to replace the handshake. We're going to replace it with the kiss, okay? We can't do it yet. I think there's still a pandemic happening. It seems to be getting worse. I'm going to put my mask back on here in a minute. Yeah, the astrology that started the pandemic, we just had like a week ago. It seems, it seems that way. Yeah. I knew some people getting COVID. Uh, not near me. Just like people, I'd text people and be like, what's up? How's your life? And they're like, oh, I got COVID a week ago. And you're like, doing what? Doing what? We went to see Bullet Train. Oh. And Bullet Train fucking ripped. That movie ruled... I didn't know it was based on a book, which makes it even better. Okay, I didn't There were either. so many wild cameos, but I also was very excited to see Bullet Train for reasons I can't fully discuss yet, but I did find out that uh, my lover is going to be going on a journey with me soon, and he's going to be helping me out and assisting. He kept saying, well, I want to have enough money to do all the things I want, and I go, then come sell merch at the shows. <laughs> <laughs> And then you can have all the money you want. Please, I can't keep up with it myself. I'm an idiot. So watching this, there was a little extra like, ooh. Yeah. Because he's taking it in. And this has been a big dream of his for a long time. Are y'all Studio Ghibli Uh, He put me on heavily to Studio Ghibli. And his favorite of all time is Princess Mononaki. Yes. Uh, I'm into into the flying pig. I like that cat that returns. Porco Rosso is amazing. Yeah, Porco Rosso. I like that cat when he returns. Uh, Spirited Away, obviously, pretty sick. Uh, Throw some other ones at me. There's some Ghibli magic. Totoro. We had a Totoro plush for a while. Cranberry took care of that one. Are y'all... So, uh, you know about the museum? There's a museum? There's a museum, and the ticket is literal film strips from the movies. It's supposed to be incredible. All right. Well, I guess we got to add it to the list. He said, I better see a temple. I said, you will see whatever you want to see, baby, including me bleeding. (laughs) Uh, We went to see Bullet Train. Go see Bullet Train. The writing is clever. It's fun. Who directed it? Who wrote it? Um, Okay. Because I looked it up, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. Once I looked it up, hold up, bullet train. 
Oh, you texted me a correction right after we recorded the last episode I did. that it was Oculus that was the WWE movie. Not Ouija. Um, have you seen his other stuff? Have you seen Dr. Sleep? I have seen Dr. Sleep. Sleep. I love Dr. Rips. Sleep. It is incredible. It I never read the book Dr. Sleep. I didn't ever read the book but either. But the movie I really enjoyed. Yeah. And like, let's be honest, I'll watch anything with Ewan McGregor in it. Yeah. And Fargo season three has two Ewan McGregors in it. I can't stop oh, talking about Fargo right. season three. Um, he directed Deadpool two and Deadpool, I think. Okay. So very brutal, very gory. Yeah. Prey also very brutal, very gory. Um, what were you just, what was the thing you were just saying? The, Oh, uh, Oculus, Oculus, his director, he directed something out. There was something I was going to look up that was going to fascinate me. I don't Have you seen his Netflix shows, the Hill House and Midnight uh, Mass? Uh, I saw Midnight Mass. Amazing. Which is nuts and crazy. And I want to go watch Hill House. Is it Hill House? That's what it's called? Yeah. First season was Haunting of Hill House. And then he did a second one that was really good. But he's basically just adapting like all these like old gothic stories. Uh, he's doing um, a Poe short story next. What short do you know? What short story? Uh, House of Usher, lit. Right. Let's go. It's gonna be a full a full scheme. Yeah, like the because I mean it's the every season that he does is like its own self contained story, which I think is really cool. Oh, what I was gonna say was Fargo season three, which is also in the self contained story realm, uh, also has David Thewlis in it, and David Thewlis is in that Sandman show right now, and it's incredible, and. David Thewlis was also in uh, Landscapers, which was a weird show about old people who kill people, and it, they found out way later, and he kind of got conned in. David Thewlis is on my top list right now. That is motherfucker. Sandman's good? Sandman's incredible, bro. Okay. bro. Sandman's fucking me up. And I listened to a Neil Gaiman interview before I watched it, too. He's so good. So good. He gets me so fired up. And it's... I think there's a lot of things that he got to sort of visually show in a way that's awesome. It was so sick. Go I watch Sandman. I heard it's like really accurate to the, oh, I love the comic. There's a lot of like really too close accuracies. And then there's a lot of stuff that they kind of shifted a little where you're like, oh, that's kind of fun. But then the way they put stuff together, you sort of see like translations in the comics that like, it's sort of being translated to you the way dream, dream people would talk about the human world. And in that sense, it's like you're sort of seeing that like there's a little bit of a, a, a misconnect that they sort of play into later about, you know, like the dream world, the way it's presented to you in the comics. I don't know. I don't know how to exactly describe this. It's like you're being given the information straight and you're like, oh, what are they talking about? This fanciful thing. And then the way it's presented in the comics or in the show itself, it's a little more like this. This is what they were meaning, but it sounded more fanciful. But it's how they would describe this human thing in the dream world in right. a way. And it was very cool, and I loved it. I flew through it. Also, this is why I have to be careful what shows I watch with AJ, because he was like, I'm going to watch Sandman. You're not here. And I was like, that's fine. Watch Sandman. I'll rewatch it, and we'll catch up. And he was like, oh, my God, it's so good. And then I there was a pause, and then there was, don't watch episode five. It's a life ruiner. And then there was another pause, and it said, don't watch episode six either. It's a life ruiner. And I was like... Maybe I think it's just heavy subjects that they're dealing with at the show. And it seems to be pretty. And he was like, I don't need to see any more of this. I was like, yes, you do. You need to see the, you need to see where it goes. You need to see triumphants. You know, you need to find the the vision in it. We went to see bullet train, but we fucked up the tickets. Like I said, so we were going to go like real early to see bullet train. And we ended up getting there and we were like, 
oh, this movie already happened. We got to get different tickets, which thank God with the AMC Rewards Pass. Not our sponsor this week, but just incredible the amount of money I've saved. I'm going to pull up how much money I've saved this month with my AMC Pass. They tell you. We said, we'll get different tickets. We went and got lunch, and then we went to the arcade. And there's an arcade underneath the movie theater with a bowling alley and laser tag and all this stuff. And I know that my partner is very good at, he's very good at uh, all kinds of games, anything competitive, all kind of wild games. Maybe it's not going to show me how much I've saved. It has to show you how much you've saved, right? I mean, that's good. Good continued advertising if you're using it. Yeah. I'm an AMC stockholder. Oh, I didn't click that. Uh, this is going to take too long, and it's going to get into this before I talk about the arcade. But I really, they used to just show, like, you saved this much money. And that was so lit to me. I went to a movie with uh, Will and his family, uh, like, earlier this year when I believe Mercury was retrograde and we had just entered tourist season. And the, his dad's app like wouldn't work, and he kept trying to like cash out a free ticket, and it took twenty minutes, and we were late for the movie, and the whole time Will and I like just cracking up in the background because like we knew exactly what was going on. Well, you know, technology has its uh, has its limits, and also like the the disconnect between the movie theater employees and customers trying to use their technology together. It's just a real, it can all, all it can be a big task. Yeah. I would put it that way. So we go into the arcade prior to this movie and AJ, I was just like, we'll get a little card. We'll spend some money. And for me personally, we've talked about arcades on here before arcades. I have found give me the same brain rush as the casinos do for a lot cheaper. So he's like, how much did you spend? And I'm like, nowhere near enough uh, to get this kind of high. It's like, are arcades the crack of uh, casinos cocaine? Am I just over here just like, I don't know, I'll just play a couple claw machines and get the buzz up. <laughs> you know, I don't know, Space Invaders, does it give you tickets? Let me do another skee ball, baby. I mean, it, it isn't it like a classic thing that winning a hand of poker at a casino is like a higher measurable level than cocaine? I don't know, that sounds probably true. And I imagine with high stakes and those like World Series of Poker dudes... That feels pretty crazy when you're winning hundreds of thousands of dollars at once, you know? Did you ever, have we ever talked about the celebrity poker game, like the illegal one that was being run? No. Uh, it was like Ben Affleck, Tobey Maguire, uh, Leo DiCaprio. They had that a little bit in that Molly's Game movie, right? I, I never saw that. Oh, really good. Okay. Uh, is that Jessica Chastain in there? Yeah, incredible. And it's about her running underground illegal rings and stuff. And there's a scene where Tobey Maguire's oh, an no, asshole. That's in literally, it. that's the story. Oh, is yeah, it? Yeah, okay, yeah. so this yeah, is why I, I heard a films. podcast with her. And it was really interesting. It was a quite... They got like raided by the FBI. Oh, yeah. And I think she had to turn. I don't remember everything, but it was sick. Yeah. And Molly's Game rules. Go watch Molly's Game. I also love hearing that Tobey Maguire is just like a total asshole. But like, wouldn't there's this is the thing with like regular people, and I consider myself still a regular person. Like Ben, uh, not Ben Affleck, Brad Pitt, for example, when he was saying he forgets people's faces, like I'm looking at him going like, yeah, yeah, that's a disease. Because I'm sure I don't meet as many people as Brad Pitt meets. But I meet a lot of people, Peter. It is hard to keep people in order sometimes. And he's just like, yeah, it's my, that's my affliction. I can't remember faces. You know, it's just really hard for me. And you're like, oh, yeah, Brad Pitt, is that it? Yeah, okay. Uh, there's a level you get to, though, where you're like, I, every time I go in public, I'm going to be reminded of Spider-Man 3. 
every time someone's going to stop me. There's going to be pictures constantly all day. You're dealing with this. So if you're finally at the celebrity poker game and you're being a prick and you're spending your money you made with Spider-Man three, I don't know. I kind of excuse the guy for being a bit of an asshole, you know, like we're not in public. We're in a private place. I don't got to be Toby fucking McGuire to you. Yeah. I don't got to talk about my IMDB. I'm fucking playing poker here. Can you fuck off? Can you just let me play my hands? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Webs for my fingers. Going to steal the card. Shut the fuck up, Ben Affleck. I'd be a dick, too, if I was rich Tobey Maguire playing poker illegally in a, in a tight space where you're not supposed to be telling everybody's information. Yeah. Spider-Man is a whole other level of famous, particularly the first Spider-Man. It's, that, it's the immediate global thing where, like, everyone on the planet, yeah. that was one of the first superhero movies that was, like, that wide of a release. It was pre, like doing the China edit. It was pre a lot of things. So it's just like he was everywhere and we didn't even really have good internet then. I mean, we had some internet, but we weren't like locked in. So it was like every, every movie that comes out is as much information as we can get aside from an encyclopedia. So it's like, it's everywhere. What else do you talk about? You know, the water cooler now it's like, you could talk about one of a trillion things, but like, I'm pretty sure the only thing to talk about was like Spider-Man. And I hope something doesn't happen bad in the future, like a war in the middle East. It did though. Rough. I just got some new information in my life, Peter. I'm not going to go. I can't go into detail, but what did you get a, a tip off from like someone high up on the government? No, no, or no. This, that was this is not about that. Was it? Well, I was just thinking about an upcoming date that coincidentally coincides with and another made date. You think of the war in the Middle East. It made me think of what led to the war in the Middle East and uh, the, ta- the attacks at home. And oh, right. I can tell you this September 11th of this year of 2022 is a day I will never fucking forget. So just be ready for that. Uh, whole different thing. But it is, we are, there are people nowadays, Peter, and I understand different ages, different understandings, but there are people that can drink alcohol this year that uh, were not born for 9-11. So just get yourself ready for that. Holy shit. Yeah. So, I mean, we, I think we permanently got stuck in whatever age 9-11 happened. Like everyone who was there, like that's where you, like I'm 11, I think. And there's a whole generation after us. They're like, they're out at the bars right now doing karaoke in a minute. And they weren't alive when it happened. So it's going to be, we're going to put it in a different context. Now it's going to be a joyous day for me now. And we're going to move forward with that magic. Uh, Peter, I am trying to prepare my hardest for this weekend. And it is having those two days of not wrestling was nice. Uh, but I haven't been to the chiropractor in a while. I'm about to go do that, which is going to be, I hope, magical. Um, but I think I've also found that dichotomy zen of like, I'm starting to do the chores good now. I did them good this week. I was I was razzing on myself earlier, but I did the chores good this week, and it was very peaceful to go like, oh, like it's stressful sometimes being effy for a lot of reasons. It's also wonder a wonderful gift at many moments. But uh, there's also the gift of like, yo, I get to share a wonderful life with this person. I get to share dogs with this person. We have a roof over our head. We have dreams and goals. We're going to travel together. I can clean the house up right for him. And I've learned enough lessons now. He thought I was kidding when I was like, can you write all these instructions on a whiteboard for me or on a, like, can I get it tattooed on my hand? Because it's like, I'll remember one part of it, but not the other, like I said. So I'm trying to get better at it. It's going to be incredible. But you got to remember this, people. All the fame, all the glory, all the magic all the things that are going to come when I win the championship Saturday, all the things that come with, you know, being a, a famous streaming star, 
none of that really matters in the end. I want to feed my family. I want to entertain the people. I want to have my guttural moments of scared screaming. But I also want to go home and I want to cuddle with my partner and watch silly shows. Like we watched Married to Medicine. Have you seen that show yet? No. It's like if the Real Housewives were all doctors and still fighting at a steak restaurant. It's incredible. That, I, that They're in Atlanta. so much darker to me. Well, you know, like there was a question of if someone broke the Hippocratic Oath, because I think there was a slap fight in the first season that I don't know if it's, if it's accessible anymore, but quite entertaining stuff. Those moments, those are the moments that are going to count. And getting to just be at home and hang out with the dogs and not be gone, it makes it a little easier to disappear again, uh, which I will be doing for the next few weeks. And especially into September with uh, the UK coming up and then October with more coming up. It's going to be a very hectic few months, and I'm sure that we could look into the planets and that would be expected, but I think we just hit the overdrive switch, and it's going off. You're going two places internationally? I am. Okay, that makes sense. Within a month. I think September 18th uh, is the last date I have in the UK, and then I leave for the next spot on the 26th. Crazy. Damn. There's not a lot of turnaround here. Yeah, but you know what's crazy? Here's what's crazy. And I just remember this, and we were talking about Trevor Outlaw. Trevor's going to be here in Atlanta. And he said, I got to find a place to stay. And I said, Trevor, I got two dogs that I'm going to have to board. You want to come live at Casa de Effie? And he said, what are the dates? And they lined up perfectly, oh, Peter. Oh, beautiful. All the dates lined up perfectly. He's there the whole time we're gone. The dogs get to stay at home. He's got a place to chill. He's going to have the time of his life. Midtown Atlanta, overlooking the park. A young, uh, strong, professional man who's leaving the sex dungeon and coming to the penthouse. His is on the top floor, too, so I don't know why I'm calling it a dungeon, but it's there were dungeon-esque elements of design brought into it. Secret doors and swing hooks. I mean, come on. That's all I got in me, Peter. You got some questions here? We do have questions. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you want to talk real quick about the Missouri thing? Oh, yeah. Okay. So you were people tagging you in, in this Missouri mm-hmm. license deal, Peter? Yeah, we got an email about it, too. Here's the deal. In the state of Missouri and in the state of Virginia and in the state of Kentucky and in the state of Louisiana and in the state of South Carolina, they have ridiculous... There's probably more states, but they have ridiculous pro wrestling commissions that fall under the athletic commission. The same as if you were going to have like an MMA fight or you were going to have a boxing match. Uh, Professional wrestling has to be licensed in these states. So every year I have to go and renew these licenses and you have to pay a fee to the state of Missouri. The state of Missouri also gets a cut of the ticket sales at the door, which just increased to 5%. Now, if you're doing a gate like AEW or WWE would do a gate that's a $200,000, $400,000 gate, it doesn't affect them as much as if you're doing a $5,000, $10,000 gate and you're a small indie. You still got to pay your 5% out. And you're saying, oh, it's a smaller percent. But it's like when you don't have that much money to go around for operational things, it eats into more of that. So not only do you have to pay them the money, they have to have someone on site. I think you have to have a doctor on site. I'm not sure. New York has to have a doctor on site to do your blood pressure. And I was like, your blood pressure's a little high. And I'm like, I've been drinking bang all day and getting ready for a wrestling match, bro. Uh, I have to go get the physical done with blood work. Now, I'm not opposed to blood work in wrestling. I do it just because my partner requires that, like, he's like, if you're going to go out and do all this crazy shit, I got to know that your blood is clean. And I was like, this is, this seems like the bare minimum for things, especially with what we do. 
But the physical form, Peter, that they require is so backlogged that it confused my doctor. Like, this is such an old form and way of looking at someone's physical health, which they're checking as if we were going to go, like, box each other to death or do an MMA fight and bite each other's noses off or whatever they do in that sport. You have to do things like jump up and down 100 times. So (laughs) I told the doctor this. I said, "Uh, we have to do this section, too. He goes, what, what is this? And I said, well, you have to check my heart rate and then I have to jump up and down in front of you a hundred times and then you have to check my heart rate again. He said, what is that going to tell us about you getting in a fight? And I was like, I don't know, but we have to do it. So we did it. And there's also a segment that says, have you had any uh, shakes or convulsions? And he goes, they changed the language on this in the 60s. We refer to it as seizures or uh, like seizure episodes now. This is very wrong. So not only are they requiring us to get a physical and pay them and get blood work, which costs money, we are now filling out a form that isn't even from this era of modern health technology that's confusing to doctors. And then these guys show up like it's 1964 and we don't know that Gorgeous George is a bit of a work. Like these dudes are... They really think that we're like going to kill each other in here. Right. And I'm all for protecting kayfabe and wrestling. But this, this is too far. We are a theater performance. This is the same as requiring a physical when Hamilton comes into town because they're going to be dance fighting with play swords. It's, it's, a, it's archaic. It makes no sense. It's a money grab for the state. And uh, there are people who don't have the easiest access to health care. Not, I'm sure I'm not surprising anyone with this. And so for me, I have health care. I have health insurance. My partner has a, a big boy job, so they say, and I get to pay in on that. But having to go do this is so expensive that it doesn't make it worth it to even run in these states. So eventually, there's going to be the few people running what they can, but it's going to leave entirely. So by even creating this system and then now increasing the money they're taking from this system, they are going to... Uh, run more promotions out of their state and get rid of the money altogether because they don't understand what pro wrestling is and they're not willing to take up a here on changing or expanding this. Uh, In Georgia, technically, the law is if you start bleeding on purpose, you better stop. But if it's an oopsie, that's all right. (laughs) Wonderful. That's the law system here. But the physical requirements and then the blood requirements, it's a lot and it's a mess and it's... No one knows what they're talking about, and I'm fine with complying with certain laws in certain situations until you don't know what you're defending with that law. And the state of Missouri has no fucking clue what they're defending. They're clueless, and they're idiots, and I'm tired of playing the game. But I'll play the game because I'm getting my physical done next week because I'm coming back to Missouri, to St. Louis, to the right side of the river. Uh, And uh, I think people are going to enjoy why I'm getting the physical done. I said, if there's a good match for me, and he said, what about this? And I said, yeah, I'll do that. Fuck you, Missouri License Commission State Athletic Board. I'll come speak to the Congress or whoever's taking the hearing. I need you guys to see how dumb you are. One of them in Virginia one time when we were doing one of the, uh, like, Billy Dixon's Pride shows with Lolo. They are awesome. They tried to tell... DJ Accent Report, who was doing the music and doing like the background music beforehand, that because of the code, he could not play any music with curse words in it. I was like, he said that to your face? And he was like, yeah, that's not true. 
It's not true, but it's like they live in this weird fantasy make believe, and they're like, I think they just, I think they're just sad that nobody likes them in the commission. There's not a lot of boxing matches happening. MMA fights, they show up to those. That can't be that much fun for them. I think they just want to be a part of it, and they don't know how to talk to anybody other than to scheme them out of money and lie. And I can't have that be a part of our community. So hopefully this turns a little wave in people noticing how weird and archaic and terrible this is. And what mm-hmm. it's, it's, I mean, it's literally like old mob technique, you know? You got to give us part yeah. of the gate or you're going to have a real problem here. We're going to need 5% and we're going to need $40 from every person on the show. And you're going to need to pay our doctor. Oh, we're not letting you run this event. You're having fights, aren't you? Well, sir, it's kind of like it's a... I don't know if you know what working in. It doesn't matter. You, I see the boys fighting in there. Are they fighting girls? Oh, God, that's another $20. It's horrible. It's idiotic. Fuck the commission. So there's a petition online. We'll post a link to it on the Twitter and then in the episode description. And listen, people say, I don't know what petitions do. They at least draw attention to things because there's probably a lot of lawmakers and legislators in Missouri who don't realize how stupid this is because they don't want them to realize numbers are a way to get people's attention when you're shooting your shot for attention. Well, we're shooting a shot and God bless Dan, the dad for putting up with so much more of the commission than I have to. I get it. All right. Our first question from Twitter. Uh, Has Effie taken out a life insurance policy for Jeff Jarrett? Should he return for samosa? If not, why has Effie's management not carefully coordinated that bag and subsequent Dateline interview following the bout? Is this old news? Is he old news? Thank you. I think Jeff Jarrett's one of the greatest performers of our time, and I think he is uh, should be honored and respected. Legally, that's all I can say at this point. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, okay. <laughs> what would Peter's role slash gimmick be if he was involved in pro wrestling? Can be manager, valet, commentary, interviewer, a la mean gene or in ring talent. Let's go, Peter. So I don't, just from what you told me earlier about something that Vince McMahon did to like disco, whatever that we're going to watch here in a sec. Um, I, it makes me think that my idea might actually be more appropriate than I thought. Just because, like, I'm definitely, um, I just don't know wrestling, really, so I don't even know if this would be a thing. But I would like to fight as the Loch Ness Monster, but I think I don't want to actually be in the ring. It'll be something during the match where they'll go, oh, shit, is that the Loch Ness Monster? And then the camera will just pan over, and it'll be that, like, terrible grainy footage of the Loch Ness in the yes, lake. Yes, yes. And I'll just be this phantom that, you know, lives in the back stands. Oh, my God. You've thought about this a little bit. And it makes me think of Kaiju Big Battle, where they used to have Kaiju monsters fight each other. Oh, that's incredible. I once wrestled as the Cheeseburger Bear, who is a giant cheeseburger bear. And... There are many different characters uh, that were a part of this. I think the creator got kind of like weird and antsy about his creations and started charging weird licensing fees. But I was the cheeseburger bear uh, at one of the shows in Orlando. Amazing. Incredible, right? Like just fully in the costume. I met Dalton Castle for the first time in the cheeseburger bear costume because I was stuck in it and he helped me get out of it. And I was like, hey, buddy, we got to talk. And he was like, oh, and I was like, they think we're similar. We're not. And then we talked about it while I was in a cheeseburger bear costume. It's incredible. What a moment. Uh, I think you'd fit right in. Absurdity in wrestling, we are not opposed to it, and it gets more people involved. 
Absolutely. Um, I'm, I, I did... I did have a follow-up to it, though. I think that I will do a transformation in the ring and turn into Bigfoot, and then I can do the gimmick all over again to where they'll be like, oh, shit, it's Bigfoot, and then I'll just do the pose from the photo. The one walk-away pose? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I will say this. In the Bigfoot fur, it's going to be hot in that ring, baby. I was thinking about that. Yeah, it's a hot, sweaty time. Effie, when this airs on Friday, I'll be seeing you in Denver later that night. Hello, looking forward to meeting you again. I'll be bringing y'all adult jazz cigarettes. How many I got to roll to give you enough power, horsepower to beat Mox the next day? Oh, Kisses. my goodness. Listen, I am uh, weary of traveling with it, so let's smoke as many as we can there. I think I'm going to be a little stoned in Denver. I have some good friends out there, uh, and it sounds like I have some wonderful fan friends out there. Being in Denver is incredible because a lot of their crowd is not like hardcore wrestling fans. And even if they don't know you or if they do know you, like they're kind of up for whatever. But I will say that I've accidentally bled a few times at this promotion, which is called Lucha Libre and Laughs. It should be like a fun, good time. And somehow I always end up bleeding. And as I enter this weekend into guaranteed blood, uh, it makes me a little nervous, but maybe it's the taste I need to go forward. So maybe a little blood and a little Denver smoke is what I need to beat John Moxley. I don't think people understand I don't have anything to lose. Like, he has the belt to lose. He has his standing in AEW to lose. He has his dignity to lose against Effie because I can do whatever the fuck I want. I don't have anything to lose. People have people who know me have expectations for me in this match. People who don't know me have the lowest expectations possible. And so, of course I'm going to win. You'll have to kill me. It's the showboat. I've had so many moments in the showboat Jeff Jarrett hit me with a guitar in the showboat. I was in Tournament of Survival in the showboat. I've defended the tag belts in the showboat. I'm going to beat John Moxley in the middle of the showboat. It's going to be the biggest moment in indie wrestling history. I've known the switch was flipped for a long time, but now it's like the light finally turning on for the rest of the people to see who flicked it. I've been had flicked the switch, and now you're going to see. Let's go, Moxley. Fuck me up. Everybody who's fought him has said, oh, it's the most physically demanding, hardcore match of, of my life. But they said that about Minoru Suzuki, too. And Pimpinella hit me a little bit harder than Suzuki did. Not that Suzuki didn't hit me hard, but Pimpinella was letting something out. And I thought it was beautiful. So, no, I'm not scared of getting punched in the face. I'm not scared of bleeding. I'm not scared of glass. I'm not scared of barbed wire. I'm not scared of chokeholds. People should know what happens when you try to choke me out. That's like... That's like giving Hulk Hogan a pin in the ass, you know? Oh, let me tell you. Probably going to get Gawker sued now. Oh, God. Move it to the paywall. Move it to the paywall, Peter. They'll see what they see. But I know that uh, for the fifth week in a row, for whatever reason, I'll be trending on Twitter. So let's, <laughs> let's make it happen. Denver, get ready. Uh, don't let me down. I'm taking a big risk, but I think we're fine. The energies feel wonderful right now. Hi, Effie. I love enjoy wrestling and I'm quite new to the scene. What would be the best way to get into more wrestling? Any companies slash sites I could start with? Yes. Uh, if you want to subscribe and get a bunch of wrestling at once, IWTV is a great way to do that. Uh, promotions like Fest and Time Bomb, and uh, there's just a lot of stuff on there. Freelance is on there. Um, but if you go on YouTube, I think one of the most fun ways is to sort of. 
and this is how I find a lot of wrestling, find someone in Enjoy Wrestling and just start searching their name. And you're going to see other promotions they've worked at. There's nobody at Enjoy Wrestling that only works at Enjoy Wrestling. And so by saying, hey, I liked their work, like if you saw The Runway, then you'd probably find out about some of their other Pittsburgh promotions and work on Big Gay Brunch and work in New York and work on MV Young's uh, Twitch parties. So kind of going in and like picking a talent is going to open the doors to a lot of things. But there are a lot of companies out there, like I mentioned, uh, but YouTube has so many wrestling matches. I run all of Monday Night Raw off of YouTube. It's constantly updated. I'm constantly finding new things. I've been going through a lot of like older uh, mid-2000s indies, you know? It's kind of like the, the post-pop punk of indie wrestling, uh, where a lot of the guys who are still running today and still working were doing some incredible stuff in front of, you know, 40 people. And to sort of see that like their workhorsemanship was still the same is magic. Garden State Pro just debuted and they've got some good stuff. Fight TV has kind of more purchase stuff. Uh, but always a great way to tune in would be every Monday night at 8 p.m. Monday Night Raw. I watch three hours of indie wrestling every Monday night when I'm here, which is most of the time. And it's a really, it's a fun way to learn about wrestlers. I had someone come up to me at a show in California and they were like, I learned about all these wrestlers on this show from you. I was like, that's incredible. So not only was I a draw to you, I created everyone else being a draw to you by just presenting them to you. You wouldn't have known otherwise. Not that they don't exist, not that they're not great, not that their own merit and skill did not get them to impress you, but I at least put them in front of you. So come hang out with us on Monday Night Raw. Twitch can be a little scary at first. It's chaotic, but slide right in. We're a pretty fun community. And second part to this question, Peter, I always find it fascinating when you talk all things spiritual. How can one get further into that? And then hardest both is what they signed off with. Hearts. So that's it's a little bit of a difficult question just because I find for me so much of spirituality like kind of has to be personal. And the way that I found a lot of the stuff that I really love now is just by like dabbling in as much as possible. Um, the I guess like the two recommendations I would give as far as like where to start just to kind of like dip your toes into this territory is a, have you seen midnight gospel on Netflix? Yes. That is, um, conversations about the metaphysical and spiritual animated by the guy that did, uh, adventure time. It's incredible. It really is incredible. And that has, it, it, each episode is a different theme. And so there's a lot of people and then like everyone that's on the show is like an actual practitioner or whatever it is that they're talking yeah. about. And they're animating these conversations posts. So it's like these wild conversations sort of happening that then get sent into the animated dream realm. And so it adds more depth to what they're saying and sort of perspectives it even better. I love it. Uh, and then if you like comic books, read Prometheus Rising by, um, no, not, no, it's not Prometheus Rising. It's Promethea by Alan Moore. And that is the entire Quabolic tree of life told in like comic book narrative form. And it's really, really good. And there's so much stuff that you can just spend a thousand hours Googling and getting into. And it, uh, it, it gets a lot of spiritual concepts, a more tangible feel to them just because of the way that it's visualized. And Illustrations everything. are lit, man. A hundred percent. You I, know, I learned so much stuff from comic books. It's crazy. Think about it, man. Comic books are the new cave paintings. You know, who wants to write books when you can look at cool pictures of buffaloes and let people know what's going on? I bet I would have a sick cave. If I was if, a cave person. A cave, cave yeah. person? Probably be lit. I don't know. The predator got me fired up. Pray. It's like a feral predator. He's just out there hunting, skinning animals and shit. It's fucking wild. 
Okay, this is from... Sorry, I haven't been saying the names. That's okay, though. Um, it's okay. I love all the delightfully weird places the podcast podcast goes to, and I'd love to contribute to its weirdness. So my question is, can you each share a story of your favorite spiritual slash paranormal slash otherworldly slash we definitely aren't here alone experience? Ooh. Okay, here's one. I've never told this one before. Um, and it... It wasn't necessarily a spirit, but it's some weirdo shit where I knew there was some death around me. Where I was on tour with this band, and we played a show with another band uh, in a basement. And then after the show was over, we were going over to a party. And I walked to the wrong house, and I went to the door and knocked. And this guy answered, and he invited me in, and I went inside. And then he started saying crazy stuff. And at this point in my life, I'm like, if y'all think I'm balls to the wall now as Effie, like it was, I've reined it in a little bit. So I was just like, fuck it. What's going to happen? Go in this crazy dude's house. See what's up. And he started telling me that she's upstairs and I killed her and her body is still there. And he's like, come up, come look with me, come look. And I was like, what the fuck's happening? But there was like this weird feel where I was like, he's not lying to me. Like this is happening right now. And then I ran away. I think the statute of limitation of like me thinking there was a crime has passed I don't know his name. I don't even know where we were. I don't even know the town. But he was like, come up with me and see it. Like, he'd been living with it. And I didn't smell anything too weird, you know? But who knows at that time what I was smelling? And I ran away and tried to tell him at the party. And they were like, you're making this up. And they were like, nobody lives there. And I was like, I went there. I was in there. So, I don't know. It could be some weird shit. Uh, That's wild. Yeah. Also, like, you know, as someone who worked in the moving industry, I've walked in a lot of houses. I was like, what could the worst thing be? You know? No, it was, uh, I I left. I had a feeling. And I was like, I don't, I don't need to know the rest of this story. I'm not that curious. I'm going to go. So that's my answer. Is this, did we just get into a dark place? Uh, I mean, mine's also kind of (laughs) dark. You just encouraged me to tell it. So, uh, oh, that's amazing. I really got the chilies on it. That one. That's, I'm not making it. It was, I was also wearing like, I was crazy, but not crazy. Like I can't remember things like I'm going to go in this house. Whatever happens, I'm clearly at the wrong place. Who knows? I had trust in my fighting instinct, I guess. I don't know. That's wild. Goodness. Okay. Um, so that, yeah, this is going to be a weird one. And I don't tell this story to many people. So uh, strap in just like a teensy tiny little bit. But I promise it has a good ending. All right. Uh, so when I was a kid, I used to have this reoccurring dream where I was at, like in my room, I would like wake up. And so that's like part of a lucid dreaming thing is like if you're in a recognizable space, you can snap out of it a little bit more. So I would like snap into lucidity. And there would be this giant python around my neck, like this really beautiful snake. And everyone that I knew would be lined up, like starting at the stairs of the top of the house, winding all the way down, like into the yard. And I would walk by them and the snake would whisper stuff into my ear and it would turn out to be true. Like it would just tell me stuff about everyone as I was going through. So I just have this like weird knowledge of stuff that like I wasn't necessarily supposed to know. It was just, it was really, really bizarre. Um, where's your lightning scar bro i know this is some parcel tongue shit um and so when i was 11 i guess we're talking a lot about 9 11 because i was 11 during that as well too uh we came over to the states on furlough so essentially missionaries or at least like what my parents did is 
every four years we would come to the states and they would do this like grand tour around the country to all the churches that gave them money and so they would have like all this africa stuff that they would essentially show off and then there would be like the video that my dad cut together of you know everything Helping that we're everyone. doing for the lord in kenya yeah and so this time we decided to stay in Kansas for a couple of months with this one specific church, like I guess their biggest supporter. And they put us in a missionary house. Have you ever been in a missionary house? I have not. Okay. So it's like the house that they buy just to keep all the traveling missionaries. So it's just like everyone who's coming through will come stay at this house for like whatever amount of time. Okay. And so I, we go to this house, we're staying there for a couple of months. I'm in like an American school for the first time. Like I was always doing homeschooling when we were doing this before. And then I was at like a Christian school when I was uh, like a international Christian school in Kenya. So first American school experience where like literally everyone's white, which was the most bizarre thing to me <laughs> as an 11 year old. Um, and so I got this attic room. And everyone else was downstairs, and I was up in the attic. It had, like, its own bathroom and everything, like, really big room. And I just had this weird feeling whenever I was in that room. And the weird feeling kept, like, I, mean, I told my parents about it, but they weren't necessarily paying attention. And so I would have this thing happen when I would go in the room where, like, my vision would dull out. And I would start to just black out in that room. Sometimes I would like wake up and I'd be looking at myself in the mirror. But like for the most part, I wasn't there when I was in this room. And so I try to like stay away from there as much as possible. Like yeah. Trying to convince my parents like, um, can I just like sleep downstairs? Like try to get away with like sleeping on the couch as much as possible. But, you know, there's that thing of like, oh, you have a room. Go sleep yeah, in that go room. Go to your room. And, uh, and then there were a couple times where I was at school and I would astrally project out of my body, just like forced out. And I would have this like overview POV of myself down on the playground. And it's like one of the most visceral memories that I have of being a kid was like just being in this like bird's eye view above, but like not choosing to do that or anything, just like forced out of my body. If this podcast ends up being some six cents shit and I've just been breaking into someone's house, I'm going to be pissed, Peter. Are you dead? It's possible. Oh, it's possible man. we're all dead. Um, so the this all finally stopped when I woke up in my body downstairs and I had grabbed this machete that was in the display items and I was hacking on my leg. And I had no memory of doing any what? of this stuff. And so my parents were like freaked the fuck out because they're like, okay, what's, you know, they, they do believe in God and everything and they definitely believe in demons. And so they're yeah. like, okay, this is, there's something not right about this. So they let me sleep downstairs and nothing ever really happened with it again. But the real kicker of the story is a couple of days later, we go to a garage sale and there's this eight foot long, like, couple foot in diameter red snake and i made them get the snake for me and i slept with that snake and red is um the archangel michael's color who's the angel for protection so just putting all that together it's the snake symbolism and then the angel symbolism on top of it did they find out who was living in that attic before y'all 
I, I mean, it could have been anybody. There's been so many missionaries in and, and and who knows like what kind of house they would have bought, you know. I think they're going to give us a ghost show, Peter. This is uh, there's a there's a darkness that we're exploring. That listen, this is a fun peppy show, but I think we got to start going to some haunted places, Peter. I love haunted places. Uh, one place that I don't think is haunted that I passed today, which made me think of all these places that are, was the original Waffle House in Decatur, Georgia. Maybe it is haunted. Is it still open? No, it's a museum. It didn't they close it down though? Yeah. Maybe because it's haunted. I don't know. Bring the snake, though, Peter. Where's the? Th- you can't get rid of the snake. Um, the snake. It's the snake I take everywhere now. As as an adult, I have come back into thanks to. Did um, they ever check for radon poisoning? I'm sorry to cut you off. No, no. They. I see. That's see. That's the thing. Is it could have been anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> like I will 100 percent give the way out of there was just something. Like were you in poisoned that, in Kansas like, accidentally? Potentially. Because I mean, Daisy poisoned? I remember. I remember everything outside of the house or maybe there was some sort of fungus or mold that was mind controlling entirely you. possible just like your uh hoarder story oh my gosh we've both <laughs> been in the mold peter we're mold lords uh we only have one more question and it's not a question this is from tony who writes us every week hi peter and effie don't have a question but wanted to say i love the show and enjoy seeing peter's photos that he takes Thank y'all for bringing joy to so much people with what y'all do. I just thought that was sweet. Thank you. And Tony, you do have a question because I have not fixed the mailbox yet, but I just got the car back out of the shop. I've been carless for a minute. I scootered over here last week. It was lit. Uh, So I now have time to go up to the post office and get my P.O. box fixed, and we'll have that reopened for everyone, which is exciting. Please send stuff. We'll open it somewhere. I don't know. Send stuff for Peter, too. Please send us snacks. We love snacks. I don't know. Non-perishables, I guess. Can't send like produce in the mail, I don't think. No. They say you can send a potato with a stamp, but I don't you know. You just put a stamp on a potato? That's what I've been told. Is you can stamp a potato and it'll send. Can we try it? Yeah, we may as well. We gotta carve something in it, right? <laughs> I ha- I have your your daughter send <laughs> ransom with a potato. We can't track this potato. Better just make French fries. <laughs> <laughs> 